welcome to The Orchard. I'm Daniel Self, and I'm glad you joined us today. And today is the 30th anniversary of The Orchard Church. My dad, 13, when I was 13 years old, planted what was the Church of Carbondale, now The Orchard. And we had a big celebration planned for this week, but obviously things happen. We'll put that at a different time. But the whole 30th anniversary has me reflecting on what has made today possible. You know, so many people down through the decades invested time and talent and sweat and tears and resources to make this moment possible. It's not lost on me. I don't take it for granted. I'm truly grateful. And one thing that we're learning in this season as we sit here in this facility is that the orchard building may be closed, but the orchard church is active. You see, because the church has never been a building. It's, it's always been a people. And whether we're selling masks or distributing food or, or giving funds or crisis counseling or mentoring or, or simply loving those around us. You see, men and women, the Orchard Church is stronger today than it was even months ago. The church has left the building and it's still active and in living rooms and bedrooms and out on the trails and in the stores and the nonprofits around here, the orchard people are seeking and they're loving God and they're loving people and bringing light and hope to communities during this dark season. I'm getting a constant stream of emails and messages from, from many of you who found fresh or brand new faith in Jesus Christ. I love those emails. You prayed with me here, right here on... And this, you've prayed to receive Jesus, and your eternity has been, has been changed forever. Others of you, you've let me know that you've rekindled old faith, that, that old embers are now on fire again, and your faith is growing. We have many diving deep into God's Word during our, our daily Facebook Bible study. We have many learning how to pray in a new way during our live stream Wednesday prayer meetings. We have uh, people are engaging through their, our financial series with Danielle Howard or counseling with my dad or, or the children with Pastor Stacy or youth with Jesse in so many other ways. So while the orchard may have left the building, the orchard is still active and still loving God still loving people. In fact, if you're with us today, you have an immediate role and an immediate position if you have skills that involve technology or, or video or audio or any of these things that, that we're using so much of right now. If you have gifts in these areas and you'd like to be a part of what we're doing, don't hesitate. Email me right away. Message me and, and we would love to, to talk with you. There's a lot of people that have been stepping up in this season and the orchard is very active Many of you are stepping up to provide for our vision financially during this time. And it's always so humbling to me. And I'm so grateful for those of you who are, who are choosing to tithe and give to God in what he's doing here at the orchard. You see, we have brand new people who have just found our church, who've just kind of, we had somebody who said they, they're joining our church and they've, they've been with us for only a few weeks. They're joining an online church and they're already giving generously. And there's many of you who've been, who've been supporting us for years, and you haven't stopped. And some of you have increased. We had somebody who called just days ago and said, I love what you guys are doing there, and I want to give you $10,000 to help out with those who are needy. I love to see what God's doing, and it's, it's so humbling. I'm so grateful. And my dad reminded me that when he, when he did plant this church 30 years ago, he refused to pass a plate for the offering. 
instead trusting for God to move in the hearts of people. Well, my dad has obviously been way ahead of the curve because right now on Sunday morning around the globe, no one else is passing a plate either. We're all trusting God to move in people's hearts. And so if you're here today and you'd like to join together with us and support God's work here at the Orchard, I can assure you your tithes and offerings go to, to loving God, loving people, to resourcing ministries, to, to fueling the vision and helping the needy. In fact, on your phone, you can open up a new message and text the number 77977. 77977. And, and send this text, Orchard Life. And it'll send you a link that you could become a partner with us in ministry. And I know that, that tithing isn't something that we're all about. I mean, if you've been with us on this journey, you know we're not all about money. We're about loving God and loving people. But we know that our mission and vision are fueled and funded by people like you. And I am so grateful. Thank you. Again, the orchard may have left the building, but God has not left the orchard. This church is a movement it's not a monument, and we are seeing that in effect. So dive in with us during this season, and let's continue to see God move in us, and let's continue to see God move through us. Now, if, you, if you've been with us any of the past month or two, you know, we've been in this wilderness series looking at God bringing the children, out, the children of, of God out of his Egypt, out of slavery, into the wilderness and up to the promised land. And today we're going to introduce a new person. There's, there's, a, there's a, new, a new character here in Exodus we're going to look at. They have a small role, but it soon becomes a key role in the Bible. We find this person is someone who is, who is forged and fashioned and transformed during the wilderness season. And we first meet this young man in Numbers 13. We touched on this last week, if you remember, Moses sending the 12 spies into the promised land to explore the land and get a report. Remember, they saw giants and they saw fruit. Well, all we see here in Romans, I'm sorry, Numbers 13, verse 8, is the name of this young man. It says, he was from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, son of Nun. Hosea. That's what we know about him so far. That's our introduction. And he'll soon become a central figure in the Bible. Now, now names mean a lot in the Bible and to, those, and to a lot of people. And the name Hosea means salvation. And that's kind of a strange name because he was born in Egypt, which means he was born a slave. His mother and father they were born into slavery, like their parents before them. But his, his mom and dad must have never given up hope because they named their child, their son, the one thing they wanted most, salvation. And it happened. They were released from captivity, not because of Hosea, but because God Almighty spoke and acted through Moses and did wondrous things. And, and Pharaoh said, get out of here. And they left slavery. And they journeyed through the wilderness with the assurance of the promised land before them. Hosea, just one of the men from the tribe of Ephraim, was, was chosen to explore the land. And, and, and he was the only other explorer, along with Caleb, who when they got back from exploring the promised land, didn't look to the giants, but looked to the fruit. Hosea knew how big God was, and he knew that God was bigger than the giants. For many of you who've read or heard some of the Bible in the past, you may not recognize the person named Hosea. 
whose name means salvation. But we find him later, and his name is changed. Let's turn to Exodus 17. Here we find the children of God coming under attack from another nation, the Amalekites. Hosea has proven himself to be one of Moses' generals in battle. And here was the battle plan. They lay it out in Exodus 17. Hosea, you're going to lead God's people in defending against the Amalekites, while Moses is going to go up on the hill and oversee the battle. And so Moses goes up onto this mountain, and, and all he has is God's staff and God's blessing. And he looks down on the battlefield, and it says in verse 11, As long as Moses held up his hands, the children of God were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And Moses, with the help of some aids, his arms stayed outstretched throughout the battle, and God's favor won the day. He stood there in intercession and prayer while Hosea and the army down below fought. But here's the part that's interesting to see. You know, the, the power and the military might of Hosea and his battle strategy, that didn't win the war. The favor of God is what turned the tide. And Hosea must have learned that day as he, he looked up to see Moses on the hill that God's favor was far superior to his sword. That God's favor was far superior to anything Hosea could offer. First thing to recognize is that Hosea isn't mentioned here in this passage. You see, his name has already been changed. Hosea born salvation, a prayer of his parents. But Hosea was mentored by Moses and his eyes had been opened to the reality that God was the source of his salvation. And in battles like the one we just discussed, there is Hosea down below fighting with all of his might. Yet he knows and he sees and he begins to believe that the battle belongs to the Lord. So his name is changed from Hosea to Joshua. Hosea means salvation and perhaps Hosea at one point hoped he could bring salvation to his tribe, to his people. But his heart and eyes have been opened to see the source of salvation. And while Hosea means salvation, his, while Hosea means salvation, his new name, Joshua, it means God is my salvation. You see, through this wilderness season, he came to rely on God in such a way that not only was his heart changed, his name was changed as well. He knew where his salvation came from. Joshua was the winning general in the battle that day. But he knew who did the fighting. In the wilderness, Hosea became Joshua. In the wilderness, I will save myself becomes, it is God who saves me. In the wilderness, he learned that it's not his own strength and resources that will win or save the people around him. As Joshua was mentored by Moses and led by God, he learned that not only does his salvation come from God, but that God is his provider. This is a huge lesson, as we've talked in the past, about the wilderness. You see, with every crunch on the manna that Joshua would have eaten, he would have remembered, God is my provider. The wilderness is fundamentally transforming the heart of Joshua. It wasn't important for Joshua to learn these lessons 
so that he could just go back to normal once this was over. It wasn't important for him to learn it so he could just, just make it through the wilderness season. No. And for you, listen, it, it's, it's not important for you to come to know God as salvation and provider just to make it through the wilderness. That, that's short-sighted. God has something far larger. He has a plan far grander for your life like he did for Joshua. You see, it was important for Joshua to learn these truths in the wilderness season. And they would take deep root in his heart because God was using the wilderness to grow something in Joshua. And the reason is because God had something for Joshua on the other side of the wilderness. And if Joshua didn't learn these sacred truths in this barren season, he would never be prepared for what God was calling him to on the other side of it. You see, here's the truth. You never want to waste a wilderness season. Never. You want to get all you can from it. Because that's the big truth of the wilderness lessons. You're going to need these truths for what's next. If Hosea had gone through the wilderness and never learned that God was his source of salvation, oh, I wouldn't be preaching about him right now. But Hosea transformed into Joshua, and God wanted to to do great things through Joshua that Hosea was not prepared for. You see, God may not have a name change for you, but he certainly has a heart change. He has big things ahead for you. He has a destiny ahead for you. And he's preparing you now for what's going to happen then. You need this season. You see, in the wilderness, God is looking for Hosea's to grow into Joshua's. And like you, I'm sure that Hosea had skills and opportunities and he had a a job maybe and a routine that he was accustomed to, right? But that all came to a screeching halt when the wilderness season happened. And in the wilderness, he found an opportunity to slow down and answer a new calling and a new purpose. Like Hosea, perhaps your career and your job and your finances, your, your spreadsheets and your goals and your summer plans may have been wiped out by this wilderness season. And I'm not going to make light of it. I mean, some of us are facing terrifying realities as things that we have built and bled for are, are just failing. Others of us have, have felt the cracking and the shaking of the normal career and job life that we once just took for granted, probably complained about, right? But in the wilderness finances, career, job, and plans and dreams, they, they get shaken and cracked under the pressure. I want to invite you to, today into something that Joshua learned here in the wilderness. That when your job, when your career, when, you, when your past, when your present, when your future are shaken or gone, well, you can find something much more stable, a, a divine reality to stand on. In the wilderness, God begins to clarify the difference between what you're called to and what your career is. 
God was growing Joshua because he had a calling. He had a big calling for the season that was yet to come. And God is inviting you into a new calling as well. Here's the reality. The enemy loves to whisper in times like this. Like, like this is a lie. Maybe for Joshua, maybe for somebody else, but, but just think of all the sins you've done. Think of all the stuff that no one knows about. Think of what you've been through. You don't have a grand calling. God's not going to call you. But it's fundamental to living for God. Being called to a purpose that transcends your job. 2 Thessalonians 5.16 says, The one who calls you is faithful. You know, other things may get shaken, but God won't. And while much around you is uncertain, you can be certain that he's calling you to something new and that he is reliable and dependable and faithful and that when everything else might crumble, he's calling you and he is faithful. Let's look for a second at the word vocation. I mean, the word vocation, it's Latin. It comes from the Latin, it's vocari. And vocari means to call. You see, perhaps we've had vocation wrong all along. Because you may have lost your job through this, but you have not lost your calling. And my hope is that even if you haven't lost your job, because of all this, your eyes and your heart have been opened to ask the question, God, what is it I'm called to? Through this season, some things have been clarified, and I'm meant for a greater purpose. You see, you thought your job or your career may have been what you were called to, but maybe in the wilderness, you see that your job is just something that you were living for, not something that was alive within you. Maybe in the wilderness, you felt that hollow pit in your stomach as what was always there for you. Perhaps the job that defined you is drying up. And how do we define ourselves now? Maybe we shouldn't define ourselves by what we do. Maybe we should define, our, define ourselves by something much larger. You see, that place where our job or career may have been drying up, or what we're trusting in, our finances, or whatever, our, our plans, our flexibility, in that very place, in that very place where those things may be drying up, God is calling you to something much deeper. You see, God has a vocation that transcends your occupation. An occupation is something that occupies your attention, but a calling is something that possesses your heart. A job is a task that gives you a check for that month. A calling is a mission that gives you purpose for life. A career is something you'll do until you retire. A calling is what you're living for until you die. A calling is deeper than career. It's larger than a career. You see, a job lives for a paycheck. A career lives for a promotion. But a calling lives for purpose. And that's what you're made for. One of the most valuable things you could do during this time when career and other things that may have defined us are stalling or struggling is to begin to ask God who loves you What's my calling? 
Like, what is it you made me for? If you want to know your calling, well, don't, don't go take an online test or a, a Facebook quiz to see, you know, which Twilight person you are. No, no, no. Don't go see a job counselor. You see, I love the way one friend put it. If you want to know your calling, draw close to the caller. John 5, 16, Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I called you. You see, he's always been calling you. And this morning, right now, as you're watching this, whenever it may be, he's calling some of you to salvation for the first time. To start your journey. To know that all is forgiven and there is new hope ahead. And for the others of you, he's calling you to a whole new way of living. That through this season, like Hosea, you are transformed into the person that God needs for the next part of your, your journey. Calling is something God gives you that grants a divine purpose in life. You see, you can have a career and live in calling at the same time. They can coexist. Uh, a friend of mine I was talking to this week, Eric, he's an example. He's an amazing chef. I mean, he makes people smile with his sushi creations and he brings people together with his, his, his amazing flavors that he mixes up. He brings joy. But despite having these gifts and despite proving his, his mettle in the restaurant business, he's made it clear it's not his purpose in life. I know this because I asked him. His job is one thing, but his calling is another. I, he said that it was to love God and love people. And I said, well, what else? Like, love God, love people, and, and then what about, your, your, what about this stuff? What about your, your job, your career? What else? And he said, what else? There, there is no what else. I am here to, to love God and love people. And, and maybe to lead people to God, which is part of loving them. There is no what else. If you took Eric out of the kitchen tomorrow, he would certainly grieve the loss of the career that he loves. But his purpose on this earth doesn't change. His job might, but his purpose and calling wouldn't. You see, he lives for calling, and he's learned to express that through his career. And so for some like Eric, it goes hand in hand. For others, I've seen successful businesswomen quit their job to pursue some div new divine calling. I've seen students change their majors. I've seen guys quit their job to pursue something far greater or start something on the side. The results of this revelation aren't the same for everybody. It's always unique between you and God because he has a specific calling just for you, not for the person next to you. The lesson is the same. In the wilderness, God wants to reveal your calling for what's next. Joshua went through the wilderness season, and one of the main reasons was for him to learn about the caller. And here's why. You see, you see Moses had, God had called Moses to lead the people out of captivity. But, but God was calling Joshua to lead them into the promised land. Moses led them out, but he wasn't going to be here for the next season. God was raising up somebody else for that. Someone who had to learn that although their name may be salvation, they need to learn where their salvation comes from. God was raising up Joshua for that very calling. But before God would trust Joshua to lead his people, God wanted to know Joshua could follow his presence. And that's key. 
Joshua needed to know where his help, where his salvation comes from. Joshua needed to learn through the wilderness who his provider was. And probably the most valuable lesson of all for Joshua and us, Joshua needed to know where his resource of strength and wisdom and power would come from, not just in the wilderness, but in the battles ahead in the new place. Joshua learned in the wilderness season that God's presence was the source of everything he needed. I mean, for us, it would be like this. I, I need strength to withstand this trial. That strength is in God's presence. I need wisdom to make this big decision. That wisdom is in God's presence. I need peace in the midst of this terror. God's presence. I need grace to, to pass on to these people I'm sheltering with. That's in God's presence. I need to know what to do today. I need to know where to go today. I need to, I need to be resourced today. All of these things are found in God's presence. Joshua learned the secret of life. <laughs> Truly. And, and, and just heads up, the secret of life isn't how to win friends and influence people. The secret of life isn't projecting your desires into the universe or, or manifesting greatness. It's not conforming to our culture. It's not in karma or nirvana or Pearl Jam or any of those bands. The secret to life, to all life, is to seek the presence of God. And this is where Joshua learned all he needed for the next season in the wilderness. You can see, he would someday be leader, but he needed to learn to be a lead follower. He needed to learn how to follow God and then lead others into that followership. See, seeking God's presence positions you for promotion through the wilderness. Soaking in God's presence positions you for progress into the promised land. And Joshua would become the mighty leader of God's people. He would take them from nomads in the wilderness to, to putting down roots and, and, and establishing homes. He would write an astounding book of the Bible. He would become a pillar of faith and courage for many. And we would know his name thousands of years after his death. And we would have his quotes on our wall like I do. Hosea learned the secret of life and became Joshua. Are you ready to see what it is that transformed Hosea? Because it's, it's here. We find it. Exodus 13, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside of camp and called it the tent of meeting. That's where he would go to meet with God. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go into the tent of meeting outside of camp. Whenever Moses entered the tent, a pillar of cloud, God's presence, would come down and stay and hover over it while the Lord spoke to Moses inside. The people would come out of their tents and watch this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face like somebody speaks to a friend. That's how he wants to speak to you. Then Moses would leave the tent and return to camp. But Joshua would remain in the tent. Joshua was there as Moses spoke to God. Joshua was there when the, the presence of God was thick. And when Moses would leave, 
Joshua would stay there and soak in the presence of God. You see, while everyone else was going through the wilderness, having the captivity broken off them, Joshua was going through captivity, having heaven built into him. Made all the difference. One friend of mine put it this way, Joshua learned to linger in God's presence. Joshua spent time. He lingered, he soaked. He didn't just go on with his life. He, he knew that God's presence was where life was found and it was forging something in him, something real that was preparing him for what was ahead. And he had no idea what it was. This is such a challenge to me. I was at this church just this very week by myself. I came right up here to this place and I, and I, I knelt down right on the stage where I speak from. And I prayed for our church. I prayed for you. I prayed that God would save our people, our nation, our world. I prayed for small business owners and small businesses, employees. I prayed for our frontline workers, grocery store, healthcare. I prayed for many of you by name. And then I got up and I left. I was walking out that door. And as I was going, I felt God's spirit whisper to me, oh, you, you didn't linger long enough to hear from me. <laughs> in other words, I arrived in God's presence, and yes, I, I poured out my heart, but my relationship with God, it can't be a monologue. It needs to be a dialogue. I hadn't lingered, I hadn't listened, I hadn't learned, and so I walked back over and I knelt back down and I just, I just waited, I soaked, I listened. I want to know his voice too. And I need to remember my own words when I say this over and over in these sermons. In God's presence is everything we need during this season. And Joshua learned this. I mean, he would, he would linger in God's presence. He would soak in God's presence. He learned the secret of life. That seeking and soaking in God's presence, not, not a monologue of, of requests, not just, not just, I need, I need, I need, give me, give me, give me, save me, save me, save me, but quieting your heart, your spirit to receive, to hear. You see, a dialogue happens in relationship. When you get to know the heart of God, where the, the, where the caller works, his calling into your soul where God weaves his divine goodness into your character, where you are slowly transformed into the leader, into the person you need to be for the adventure he has for you next that you have no idea about. You see, the wilderness, it's not a setback. It's a setup for what's coming. During a time when many would say, it was the worst season of their life, the wilderness. Joshua was experiencing a completely different reality. While others were in their tents sulking, Joshua was in God's tent soaking. While others were passively just wishing their normal life would resume, Joshua was actively finding divine life to be his new normal. While others were seeing their, their resources failing in the natural, 
Joshua was seeing his resources compounded in the supernatural. Others were, were just pining for an old career while Joshua was being anointed for a new calling. Others were breaking down. Joshua was being built up. You see, the, the wilderness for the majority of people is a thief. It robs their lives of what they want. But for Joshua, it's an oasis, resourcing his life for what he needs for what's next. Hosea learned to seek God's presence. He found that he was no longer the source of salvation his, his life needed. And so Moses changed his name to Joshua, and Joshua would rise up in this calling and take leadership over an entire nation of God's people. He would lead them into the promised land through amazing battles to see amazing miracles happen. He would establish a new way of living. He's a hero in God's kingdom. But that hero wasn't forged in the promised land. It goes back to that, that, that tent when he would soak in the presence of God. Without that, there is no hero. It's hard to find many people in the Bible like Joshua. I've told you that Joshua is Hebrew and it means God is my salvation. And God certainly used Joshua to, to, to save them in the promised land. But, th but there's another name in the Bible that also means God is my salvation. And this person also brought many into a new way of living. In fact, this one calls you into a new way of living today. If you take Joshua in Hebrew and translate it into the language of the New Testament, it wouldn't read Joshua. You'd read Jesus. You see, Jesus is our salvation. He's the very presence of God who is with us in the wilderness, who, who builds us in the wilderness, who leads us out of the wilderness, out of our old lives, into a new life, a promised land of new calling. And you qualify because he qualified you. There's two groups of people I want to speak to right here at the end. And the first is those of you who are joining with us who are fresh to this God thing. You're just checking this church out. Maybe you're just checking this whole thing out. Jesus calls you to the first promised land, and that's his salvation. You see, he, Jesus died on the cross and rose again to provide a pathway to the Father for you. And the salvation of Jesus offers this. Forgiveness in your past, peace in your present and hope in your future. Your tomorrow future, your 10-year future, and your eternal future. God gives you life now, not just heaven someday. I've been getting emails from many of you who have prayed with me during these times. You've come to know Jesus during the wilderness season. And for one of you or some of you watching today, it's your turn to pray. You, you've been checking this out. You've been investigating this and you feel the call of God it's your turn to open your heart and invite Jesus in it's your turn to place your faith and life in his hands 
and to turn your life over to a new calling. And so what I want you to do right now with, with me is pray with me. If, if, if you can, pray out loud after me or under your breath if, if you can't do that. But believe in your heart and pray with your mouth. Pray this with me. Jesus, I need you. I know you died and I know you rose again. I give you my life. Forgive my sin. Fill me with your spirit. My life is yours. Reveal to me my calling. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says if you've prayed that and believe in your heart, it says you're a new creation. And I want you to let me know. I want you to email me. You'll see my email at the end of this. Get in touch with me. I'd love to talk to you. The, the other group I want to talk to this morning is those who, who say, I, I know Jesus is Savior. I've prayed this. I might have prayed it last week. I might have prayed it 50 years ago. But I've known Jesus. Well, I've been praying for you, especially this week, that you would find new depth in, in your relationship with God. Because you see, when we get busy in the normal, we forget about that tent of meeting that Joshua would soak in. We, we forget that that's where we're built. That's where we're resourced. That's where we're transformed. And that's where we receive the calling and the resource that we're going to need for what's next. I've been praying that you would seek and soak God's presence like Joshua. I mean, I've been praying that you would learn that even though your career or job might be shaken, that there's a calling from heaven for you that's unshakable. You have a new calling. You, you have a new calling from God through this season. Maybe Paul's words will give you some fresh fire to rise up. Ephesians 4.1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Now, you, you might have received that decades ago, but maybe it's time to start living a life worthy of that and get in God's presence and soak in it and get a new calling, a new for what's next. So I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray out loud with me right now, wherever you are. Jesus, I need you. I want to seek your presence. I want to find your heart. I want a deeper relationship with you. Forgive my sins. Renew my calling. Reveal a new calling. I am yours and I will follow. Fill me afresh with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And like I said, if you've prayed one of those with me this morning, today, I want, I want you to write me and email me at danielattheorchardlife.com. I want to I hear about it. I, I can't see you. I, I can't see your face. I want you to email me or message me. Let me know. I'd love to begin a dialogue with you on that. Listen, in God's presence, Hosea's become Joshua's and destinies change. In God's presence, miracles become reality. And here in the wilderness season, this is the time, this is the place to seek and soak in God's presence. Reading his word, praying and listening in a dialogue. And then like Joshua, not just getting up and leaving when you've said your piece, but pausing, lingering, soaking, being built up for what's next. I'm glad you've been with us here this morning. If you would like uh, more information on The Orchard, 
or to get involved or to support us, you can visit us at theorchardlife.com. I want you to join us on Facebook every weekday at 11 a.m. We have a live Bible study led by many of you in our church. Wednesdays at noon, we have a live prayer meeting. Thursdays at one o'clock, this Thursday at one o'clock, I'll be speaking with a few counselors from our area on what it means to, to set some healthy patterns for this season and the patterns to come. Might be beneficial for some of you. But I want you to know this. Again, as your pastor, I pray for you and I love you. And we are working as hard as we know and as wise as we can to see God do amazing things in us and through us. And so if you need something, reach out. If you have a praise or so God's done something good, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Orchard, I love you. Those of you tuning in with us, welcome to the Orchard where we love God and we love people. I'll see you next week.